I am, I am super pumped um, for this class. And I know uh, what we have been going through um, last Wednesday was obviously how far we go. We finish up our summer series. They're all back in school. Um, it's all fantastic. Uh, I'm sure you're enjoying yourself in school. And on Sunday morning, we're doing this idea of opening. And we're going to go through this idea. Um, we're going to go through this whole thing of, of how to study our scriptures. And, and I know that sounds like you might have heard that and been like, okay, that's like a different thing. I hope you're taking advantage of it. And I hope you're pumped about those Sunday morning classes. And, and you see this idea of on the mountain. Um, and maybe you have a lot of different ideas of like what this could be about. Or, or does anyone like think they know? Show of hands. Does anyone think they know? Oh, good. I stumped you all. Um, I shouldn't. I was not trying to be deceiving. It was just... Just happened. Um, what we're going to be talking about here over the next few weeks, because the last month of this, or the last Wednesday of this month, um, is a prayer service. But over the next three weeks, what we are going to do, in a similar way to how we're studying, stu studying, studying your scripture on Sunday mornings, we're going to be studying prayer. We're going to be studying this idea of, of what prayer is in our lives, and we're going to look at this in just a minute, but what we can do, and, and when we open up to the Gospels, when we open up to read about Jesus, what we see over and over again is that Jesus took time to go up on the mountain and pray. And so my goal this August is, is for us um, to, to follow Jesus up that mountain, to follow Jesus up the mountain and kind of understand, okay, here's what Jesus did. He went up the mountain, and he said a prayer. And, and I don't want us to just be like, all right, this is a class on prayer and how we should pray, because I don't think that's necessarily um, what we need. We don't need a class telling you to pray, because to be honest, we know that we should pray. It's a thing that we get over and over again from childhood, sort of like we talked about on Sunday morning with this idea of reading Scripture. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at Jesus and this class, climb the mountain with him, See how he prays. And then, more importantly, I want us in our personal lives to be able to climb the mountain on our own time and be like Jesus in his prayer life. Um, tonight, we're not going to go into a whole, and I say not into a whole lot of details, we're not going to necessarily get into the, the hard details of this. And as a matter of fact, I'm excited for the next two weeks because that's when we're really going to break down, hey, this is where we can pray and this is how we can be stronger in our prayer and this is how we can be better. Um, but tonight, I want us to follow Jesus up the mountain and observe him. Long-distance relationships. I'm sure, have anyone in this room ever come on through a long-distance relationship? No one. I, I was about to say, maybe, okay, I have two people like giggling at each other. Um, <laughs> most of you probably have not been in a long distance relationship. Okay, this is something um, that that like why would you at this point in your life? Um, maybe you're sitting there like I've been in a long distance relationship for three years. That's great for you. Um, like like at this point in your life, when you're in high school, you go to school every day. Like you see your friends uh, and 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 like you're around the people. You live in the same town as everyone you know. Uh, for the most part, um, and so like, why have a long distance relationship, right? And, and so, um, and also along with that, having a long distance relationship is a pain. Nobody enjoys a long 
distance relationship in any way. Um, maybe you do. Maybe some people are like, oh, I really love my long distance relationship. If you do, it's because you don't actually like the person you're dating. Um, and so no one really enjoys it. Uh, last summer, unfortunately, Amelia and I had to suffer through having a long distance relationship, right? So here we are. Um, we are dating, not yet engaged. It's crazy that at this point last year we weren't engaged, or last summer we weren't engaged. Um, but but here we are, we're, we're dating each other, um, and I go off to Georgia, a solid four and a half hours away to do my summer internship for two months. And for two months of the summer, let me tell you, we suffered. Okay, it was one of those things, um, we had to find ways to cope with it. Uh, one thing that we did was, um, like, if you're like, planning on getting in a long distance relationship, start taking notes. Um, literally no one pulled out Daniel Dylan who pretended. Um, but but what we had to do was like when we were riding along in the car, it was like if I got in the car to go somewhere or she got in the car to go somewhere, it was just like pull out the phone, call the other one because that was a good time to talk to each other. Um, if we were not doing anything in the evenings, and you guys know youth group summers, they're busy, um, but if we weren't doing anything in the evenings and then we were FaceTiming each other or talking to each other, um, so that took up our evening. Uh, it, it all day long, you know, and you know how you do with like your friends in general, you text all day long. Um, if you're dating somebody, uh, especially if you're like a freshman or sophomore, you text about little things that don't matter at all. And uh, it felt like Amelia and I were doing that last summer because it was just like, like, hey, what you doing? Like, I'm at work. Like, what are you doing? Like, also at work. Uh, like, there was literally no, um, no substance, but it was just like the little things every second, so we could be like, oh, we're next to each other, little stuff like that. Um, and the question is like, why do we do that? It's because of making the long distance relationship a little bit easier, right? It made the long distance thing easier than if we would have just like stood up and 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 like gotten up in the morning and not texted each other or called each other or cared about one another and then like gone home and gone to bed and like not spoken to each other for an entire day. I dare say that if that was the case, our relationship would have not succeeded. Um, they take up a lot of time when you're in a long distance relationship. Uh, I spent a lot of time and I almost was like, I wasted a lot of time. No, it's not wasted. But I spent a lot of time in the evenings um, talking to her on the phone or on FaceTime and it was like, like, all we could do was sit there and talk to each other. We couldn't do anything else because that's what we were doing when it just took a ton of work. And so the question once again is, why do you do long distance relationships? And it's because you love somebody and you want to talk to them and you miss that person. And in that moment, it's all worth it, right? Those long distance relationships are, are worth it. You work hard at the relationship that's long distance to make the relationship work. So you work hard at it to make it work. To you, it's worth your time and effort to make sure that even though you're far apart, you can make things go from long distance to long term. It's a pretty clever saying. I wrote that, so I was like, oh, fire. Um, but you want to make things go from long distance to long term, right? That's why you do it. And it made me sit here and think about this whole idea of, uh, of come on, Pollard, you got to be better. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was it made me think about this idea of how do we think that Jesus felt when he was on earth? I mean, think about it. For all of eternity, Jesus had been sitting next to God, 
He's up there. He created the entire earth, the entire universe with God. And for the first time in existence, uh, he comes down to earth as a human being. And for the first time ever, he can't just look over to his right and look at God face to face and be like, hey, what do you think about this? For the first time ever, they're not able to communicate face to face. That would have been tough. And the question to me becomes, how did Jesus cope with that? I mean, yes, he was God, but also he was 100% human. He was a human being, and, and, and suddenly he's having to do this thing, that's, and it's, it's sort of different, but so I don't want it to be like confusing, but suddenly Jesus is in this relationship with God that's a whole lot more like long distance than it was when Jesus was sitting at his right hand. And I don't know like what you would call it when the Godhead is like in different places because they're always at the same place, but you get the picture. Um, and I think we're going to see that Jesus handles it in the same way that we would handle a long-distance relationship. Jesus prayed. Jesus decided that he was going to put in the extra effort while he was away from the Father to make sure that his relationship with the Father did not falter. He knew he, knew he did this by doing what you and I would do to preserve a long-distance relationship, he found time to talk to his father. He found time to talk to the being who, is, who he wanted to keep this relationship with, and he ends up spending hours in prayer. In a few minutes, we're going to go through a few of those moments in Scripture where he did that. He was 100% human when it came to his physical makeup at this point. He couldn't talk to his father in any way but prayer, and even though he was God in the flesh... He still took time to go and pray to the Father to build a relationship with him. If God in the flesh was praying to God because he knew that he needed him, why did we not spend a whole lot more time praying to God? If God in the flesh was praying to God because he knew that he needed him, why do we not spend a whole lot more of our time praying to God? And I say all this, and I'm, I'm, I truly am confident that a lot of us in this room, if someone was like, hey, how's your prayer life? I'm confident that a lot of us in this room could be like, you know what? I feel good about my prayer life. I pray often. It's something that's like infiltrated in my life. It's just something I do. Like I pretty much continuously pray. But I would say that probably most people in this room, if not all of us, when, when somebody would say, hey, how's your prayer life? We might say, well, I think it's okay, but it could be a little bit better. And I heavily doubt that there's a single person in this room that would sit here and say that they prayed as much as Jesus prayed when he was on earth. And as we go on with this class, and as we go on with this series over the next <coughs> few weeks, the question becomes, when Jesus prayed, what did he do? I want us to kind of explore this a little bit. And a lot of this might not be entirely new material for you, but I hope it sets up some stuff. I want to ask us the question, where um, and maybe when did Jesus pray? The first one I want to go to, and I have a lot of these on the screen because I wanted to be able to, to sort of rifle through them real quickly. Um, Matthew chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Then he ordered the crowds to sit on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing or a prayer. 
Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Matthew 14, 23, this is literally just a few moments later. And after he had dismissed the crowds, so after he had sent them away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Luke 5, 16, but he would, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke 6, 12, in those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Mark 6, 46, and after he had, t- and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Mark 1, 35, and raised, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. We read a lot of these because I wanted us to kind of get the idea of the picture of how Jesus prayed and where he prayed. See, we just read through those, but but by just reading them, you immediately get the point. One, Jesus, uh, Jesus prayed before meals. That's one that I think a lot of us would know. The thing that really stands out to me when you look at where Jesus prayed in Scripture, where you see it mentioned the most is that Jesus went off by himself and prayed. He just went off alone and prayed. And and the question to me becomes, why would Jesus pray alone? Because a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, a lot of times when I think about a prayer, I think about a setting like what we did when we started this class, or I think about a setting when we're in a worship service, or, or no matter what it may be, I think about the setting, maybe you're around the dinner table, which you see an example of, but I think about most of our prayer lives is done with people. It's done where people are around us, and one of us will say a prayer, and the others will listen along, hopefully praying along with those people, and maybe you've never asked yourself this question before, why did Jesus go pray alone? Maybe you've never really thought about the fact in depth that Jesus prayed a lot alone. But I don't know about you guys, but when we read through these passages, the scriptures heavily make the point that Jesus would go off to places where he could not be disrupted. When Jesus prayed, he knew he was going to pour himself into prayer and he had to find a place where no one would interrupt him. I want us to go back to the long-distance relationship thing for just a second. I know it's, it's, a, uh, it's an analogy that you guys have not experienced, but one day many of you will, I'm sure. Um, hopefully not. Um, but back to the long-distance thing. When you're in a long-distance relationship, when you're trying to have a serious conversation over the phone with that person, What you don't do is sit in the living room with your mom and dad and brothers and sisters and and sit there and like like have serious relationships about your future and how you're gonna get married and have 300 kids and things like that. You're not gonna have those conversations while you're sitting there. Hopefully you're not gonna have 300 kids either. But you're not going to have those conversations while you're sitting there in a room with people you know and, and, and love. Why? Because those are conversations that you are trying to be intent about. You're being, uh, you are purposely having those conversations. You sit in your bedroom alone and, and you have those conversations where you're going to say, hey, we need to have these conversations that are very serious. And Jesus looked at his time of prayer, most of his time of prayer that we see in Scripture, in the exact same way that you might look at having a serious conversation in a long-distance relationship. He goes off to be alone because he wants to have a serious conversation. Jesus oftentimes went up on that mountain, secluded places, and pours himself 
into the Father. And maybe your mind doesn't work exactly like mine does, but when I hear about Jesus going into the mountains to pray, it makes me wonder, what did Jesus pray for? And I don't know about you guys, but it's hard for me to sit there for 10 minutes by myself and say a prayer that like lasts 10 minutes long. I'm seriously struggling to sit here and think like, yeah, like I casually pray for 10 minutes every day. Like max, maybe like my longest prayer per day might be five minutes if I'm really feeling it. And I'm sure many of you guys can relate to this today because it's so difficult for us to pray. And yet Jesus would go out on the mountain and pray for extended amounts of time, sometimes all night long. And it truly makes me ask the question, what did Jesus pray for? I hope you have your Bibles open to Luke. Um, why would you? I didn't tell you to go there. Um, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Uh, we're going to go there. We read one part of this just a moment ago. Uh, but what I want us to do, like I said, we're not going to go into heavy, heavy details tonight on this type of thing. But what I want us to do is I want us to, uh, to take time um, to look at this and, and kind of see, okay, why was Jesus praying in this situation here? Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12, he says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer, in prayer to God. All right, so here's Jesus. This is an instance where he prayed all night. We see him go to secluded places a lot. Not often does it say he prayed for the entirety of the night. So the question arises, why, what was his purpose of praying all night? Verse 13. And when, it, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Jesus prays all night. And then chooses 12 apostles. Jesus prayed all night and then chooses 12 guys, 11 of whom are going to be the guys who get the church going. Who are going to get the bride of Christ off the ground. Who are going to take this message and spread it throughout all the world. Jesus spends all night in prayer to make a massive decision in his life. Here he is, God on earth. And he's taking time to pray to the Father about large decisions in his life. We read in Matthew 14, 19, where Jesus prayed before a meal. Um, Jesus prays to bless the food. Uh, Jesus prayed for the seemingly small things in life. I don't know about you guys, uh, I like to eat at least twice a day. Um, and what I like to eat about twice a day, I'm probably going to eat at least twice a day. It's something that's casual for me. It seems like a small thing. And the question is for us, how often do we truly pray for the small things in life? The little things that are just here and there that, that we take for granted, how often do we dig in and pray for that? And the other question is, how often do we truly pray for the food? When was the last time you were sitting around the table with a group of people and, and somebody said, all right, let's say a prayer, and then the person says the prayer, and like you're just like thinking about the food that's on your plate, or your mind is going off somewhere where it was before, and the prayer for the food is simply this idea of, okay, um, we have to check it off and before we can eat, or else like we're going to be sinners and, and all that type of thing. It's like a mindset thing. Just got to say the prayer. Just got to get through the prayer, and we're good to go. It says that the prayer before a meal for us has almost become a joke. And we started ignoring the words that are being said and started not paying attention to the words that we say before we eat. 
In Mark chapter 1, let's flip there quickly. Matthew, or Mark, <laughs> Matthew, Mark. Um, in Mark chapter 1, we're going to see what Jesus, other, other things Jesus prayed for. Verse 35 of Mark 1, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, once again, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said, Let us go on to the next town that I might preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus prayed for clarity. The apostles came up to him when he was sitting there in the desolate place, once again trying not to be found, not to be disrupted. And they're like, Jesus, yo, people are looking for you. What's going on here? And he's like, oh, my response to that, let's go on to the next town and preach the gospel. Jesus prayed for clarity on what his mission for the Lord was going to be. He had his next goal in mind. Um, he prayed because he needed the Father. John uh, I know we're jumping around a lot right here, but John chapter 5, real quickly. John chapter 5 uh, talks about Jesus here on earth. Um, and, and it brings up this idea of an, another reason I think he prayed. Um, in verse 30, it says, I can do nothing on my own. This is Jesus talking. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Remember in Philippians 2 when he said when it says that, that Jesus came and became the full likeness of a man, became a human being? Jesus needed the Father in these moments. Jesus needs the Father because he's a human being. And Jesus understood that as a human being, he needed to be praying. He prayed to build this relationship and to continue to increase it. Jesus wasn't praying just to pray. He was praying to keep up a relationship with God that had been there since the beginning of time. And I think that sets a precedent for us that if we want to keep our relationship with God, we must also pray. And it brings up this idea of if we're going to be people who pray, if we're going to be live out like WWJD, what would Jesus do? All these fun things where it's like, as you guys see where I posted that on the story, maybe that was earlier today. Anyways, um, maybe you haven't checked it yet. Uh, but if we're going to live out this idea of what would Jesus do, and, and we look at where did, Je where did Jesus pray and what did Jesus pray about, I ask, where do we pray? Do we pray before we go to sleep in, in church and Bible class? Do we sit there and our prayers are around the dinner table and these are the only places where we're praying and, and we're sitting here and, and we look at our prayer life and it's like, yeah, I said a, a, a few prayers today and to be honest, they, they were here and here and here and it was just like, like little prayers here and there. And the question to me becomes this, if Jesus who was God went off alone, like, literally, if God in the flesh went off alone to spend time, a whole lot of time, in prayer to God, why don't we? Why don't we? And it might feel like a ridiculous question, um, because some of us might say, hey, and be like, well, one, when would I have time to go off alone and pray? Maybe I have a house, and, like, I literally can't go off to pray anywhere like a mountain. Um, <laughs> there are no mountains in Tennessee. Uh, um, look, man, it's a different culture. Like, like we can't go off and, and pray. And the thing is, I'm nervous that maybe we're off base. 
See, because I think our prayer culture has truly become this idea of a culture where, where our prayer life is, is like, well, be sure to like drop on your knees before you go to sleep and say a prayer or, or sit there and pray around the dinner table or pray when you're in your car. And, and those are all great things and things that we can really do. But I'm nervous that we've looked at the traditions of our parents and their parents and their parents before them, and we haven't looked at the example of Jesus on where we should pray. And it's not me saying that, like, you guys need to be better at praying. I, like, I'm totally 100% talking to myself right now. Because when I looked at, as I was preparing this lesson, I was like, ho, oh, oh, I am trash. Like, I feel like four of you right now. Oh, sorry. But I looked at myself, and I was like, man, when it comes to my prayer life, I'm awful. I tried, I sat here and I was like, when is the last time I spent an extended amount of time by myself praying? And it was like three years ago, I had a huge decision to make, and I took like a day and prayed. That was three years ago. Jesus' ministry on earth lasted three years that we have recorded. <coughs> he went off to pray by himself a whole lot more than once. Where he took major time to go off by himself and spend intense, deep time in prayer. And I think about myself, and I need to be a person who goes out of my way and takes a large amount of time out of my day to go be alone and pray. And it kind of freaks me out a little bit. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but it freaks me out because I have 24 hours in a day, and I don't even take 30 minutes to go sit off in a room by myself where I'm not going to get disrupted and say a prayer, and yet I'll go off for an hour and I'll play my guitar, or I'll sit there for an hour by myself playing video games, or I'll read a book by myself for an hour, whatever hobby it is, like I'll go do it alone for an hour, but for some reason I can't find 30 minutes on myself to go pray, for myself to go off alone and pray. I want to be better. And I hope that tonight we can challenge ourselves to say, you know what? I can take a little bit time, of time out of my day to go find a spot where I'm going to be alone. Maybe it's even setting a timer for 30 minutes. Or maybe it's once a week and you say, for one time a week, I'm going to take an hour and go be alone. And I'm going to pray. I have to be better at that. And we as a Christian society have to be better at this. And then I wonder, what do we pray about? We looked a little bit at what Jesus prayed about. Um, I think another thing we fall in the trap of doing, and like I said, this is stuff that you guys might have heard before. I think we get a little bit stuck in this thing of saying the same prayer over and over again. Um, and I think it, it might be, like I said, it's not a new concept to y'all. We oftentimes talk about our prayer lives like, yeah, my prayer life is very stale right now. Like, I'm not going anywhere new with it and all these type of things. And I think it's because we have maybe the wrong idea of prayer. Because I think, think with me for a minute. Whenever like you're in a class and, and the person's like, all right, do we have any prayer requests? Most of the time, and, and you guys have probably experienced this, maybe not in this classroom, uh, but like especially like in adult classes, um, not to call it adults, uh, but like in classes in general, it's like a competition, like like who has the worst thing that needs to be prayed about? Like, like I know somebody who broke their leg. Oh, I know somebody who's like about to die. Like, like oh shoot, we're gonna pray about them. Like that's like the attitude that we have, right? Because our attitude of prayer is built in this idea of like, 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 can we pray for healing? And and like, like, 
these people need all this help and like things on earth are going terrible and all these things are awful and, and horrible and like we need to pray for these things. And yet when we sit here we have somebody who says, hey, do we have any prayer requests? The things that we don't do is sit here and say, yeah, I'm really struggling right now to just follow God. Can we pray for me on that? Yeah, I'm really struggling to, to have my relationship with God stay strong. I'm even doubting right now. Can we pray for me to have faith? And I'm not saying that praying for healing for people is a wrong thing at all. As, as a matter of fact, like we see that in Scripture. Like it's a biblical fact that praying for people will help, like God will help heal people. But I'm nervous that when we look at prayer, we see it as a means to heal people and keep people safe and not as a communication with the being that we need to be building a relationship with. We see prayer as a means to heal people and keep people safe and not as a communication with the God that we need to be building a relationship with. And Joe brought it up on Sunday um, evening, but sometimes I wonder, like, like, you look at the two joys of going to heaven. One, you're going to heaven and you're walking in heaven and you're not in hell. That's a huge joy. It's pumped. The other joy is like, man, I get to sit there and be in the presence of God and look at him which is really the huge thing here, right? Hell is the, the absence of God when we really think about what hell is going to be. And yet, for some reason, we look at this idea and we're like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to the absence of God. Oh, so you're saying you, we want to go to the presence of God. And I have this fear that we don't get super excited about that part of heaven, about the joy of that part of heaven, because our prayer life and, and, and what we want is we're not sitting there talking to God. We're not building a relationship with him in a way that's like, like, I want to talk to him. Can you imagine if you texted somebody every single day for 82 years? If you talked to somebody on the phone or talked to somebody in general every day for 82 years, how much you would want to see them? And yet, if we sit here, we toss a phrase in here that's a prayer, we spend a few sleeping moments here that's a prayer. I think it stands to reason that we're not super excited to go see God's face. To see him for who he, he, who, for who he is. I think when we follow Jesus up the mountain, I think we find that prayer is more than just to heal my friend. And we find that prayer is a let's build a relationship with each other find that our prayer life is going to grow so strong.